Welcome to the teaching ministry of Dr. Benji Kelly and New Hope Church. We're so glad you've joined us for this week's podcast. Dr. Kelly is currently leading us through a series entitled Hope Rising. The best is yet to come. Here's Dr. Kelly with this week's podcast. How are we doing today, church? You guys doing good? Who's fired up to be in the house of God today? Come on. Come on. Everybody at all of our campuses, all of our campuses, everybody say Hope Rising. rising. All of our campuses, everybody say the best is yet to come. I thought I'd have to get you to do it again to get the energy up, but you are already there. Hope Rising. The best is yet to come. I think all of our campuses did that song right there. Be thou my vision. How many of you like that old hymn? Man, that thing took me back. That was the song that Amy Lynn and I actually walked into the church to when we were getting married. We processed in to that song, Be Thou My Vision. And that is exactly what I actually want to talk to you about today, which is hope rising and trying to get a God-sized vision of what God is trying to do in this church's life today and into the near future. Vision. Let me just talk to you a little about that. Today, if you are a guest, you have stepped into this church at any of our campuses, you've stepped into this church when we are beginning an eight-week faith-raising campaign called Hope Rising. And when you leave today, we're going to invite every single one of you to pick up a swag bag. Now, you can call it a swag bag, and that's what some of the staff have been calling it. But the truth is, I think it's a vision bag. And in this bag, there are all kinds of things. I know, yeah, by the way, if the blue doesn't do it for you, we got green. Our two hope rising colors. In each swag bag... You're going to be able to get all kinds of things. Now, the shirts, they're going to give to you separately, but the shirts, you get to pick your shirt size. So we're going to, everybody's going to have a shirt to wear during this series if you would like and wear anywhere else you want. There's a refrigerator magnet with all the key dates of hope rising on it. There's a bookmark for you to put in your Bible with a great verse of scripture. And again, all the key dates for you. There's also a DVD for you to stick into your computer or whatever, your DVD player at home, where there's a little message from me and then there's a Hope Rising teaching that I did. Then there's this great song that's actually going to become one of our theme songs for Hope Rising, a kind of anthem that Pastor Fuller and all the worship pastors will explain as this series unfolds. And the name of the song is This We Believe. And I'm telling you guys, by the time eight weeks is over, this song is going to be burnt into our DNA of who we are as a church and what we believe about God. And then the last thing, well, that's not the last thing. Actually, there's wristbands in here. There's all kinds. I mean, it's just chock full of stuff. But the main piece that you're going to see in your swag bag is this booklet that opens up and walks you through what hope rising is all about. We want to encourage everyone at all the campuses to get one bag per family because there's lots of stuff in there. Everybody get a shirt though, but this is going to walk you through the vision of hope rising. Because here's the deal. If you don't know this, 
On April 30th, 2014, our church voted over 98% to move forward in a faith-raising campaign called what? Now, the reason the membership body voted for that is because the staff, all the pastors and the staff, about 54 of us at the time, voted unanimously to move this to the congregation. Then on this April date that I just mentioned, everybody voted at a membership meeting, and it was like 98.3%, I think it was, voted enthusiastically, yes, let's go take this hill, let's go take it for God, God's favor is on us, and we can do that. And so today, what I'm really striving to do on this this very first Sunday is I'm, I'm striving to establish clarity. I'm striving to establish vision. What's the word? Vision. Vision for your life individually and vision for God's church communally. Have you ever given any thought to what is vision? Let me give you a definition, and I encourage you to take out your your worship sheets and turn over on the back, and you can take notes. You've got a card in there. At least we do here at Central, and I hope the campuses have cards somewhere for you to hand these out to people and invite them to this series. Let me give you a definition of vision, because you folks who know me, you've been around me long enough, you know that I am a big vision person. I love the word vision. And here is a a definition. If I just tried to give you one that we could work from throughout this series, it would be this. Let's read it out loud together. Ready, go. Vision is nothing more than seeing a preferred picture of the... Of the what? Vision. It's a big word. You hear it thrown around a lot. But here's a, a good working definition for you to put to memory. It is really a preferred picture of the future. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but as I think about the word vision and I pursue vision in my own life and I pursue leading this church in a vision-centric way, I have actually come to believe and actually realize there's this other word that's connected to vision that many people don't talk about. What is it? One more time, a little bit louder. Regret. There is this unbelievable connection between vision and the extent to which people pursue that vision and the extent to which people experience huge amounts of regret in their lives. I mean, the truth is, I bet we could all share a little bit about how we got a vision from somebody or we got a vision from God. That's the best kind of vision. Amen. We got a vision from God and we never actually stepped out and did it. And as a result, we lived with a large amount of what? Regret. Neil Rose wrote in a book, If Only. Maybe some of you have read this. This is a PhD scholar, one of the world's top scientists, studied the subject matter of regret and actually came to the conclusion that Regret is found in every area of our lives, educationally, vocationally, friendship-wise, sometimes marriage-wise. Come on, let's just keep it real. Regret, it's in the fabric of who we are. And when we get vision put before us that we believe comes from God, if we don't step out into it, if we don't follow it, if we don't pursue God into a big, bold future, we end up living with this word. What is it? One more time. 
regret. Made me remember that great scene from the classical movie, Rudy. Come on, any Notre Dame fans in the house? Or those of you who are a little more formal, Notre Dame. Right, Notre Dame. Here is an incredible scene that you will remember. This is an old classic. Maybe you haven't seen this in a long time, but it's still a good movie. In fact, I pulled it out about six months ago. And uh, any of you parents force your kids to watch movies? Like my kids don't want to watch a movie if it's past a year old. You know what I'm saying? But I put them on the couch. I said, sit. You're, you're watching this movie because there's nothing like some of the classics. Check out this whole scene. It'll probably cause you to remember it. Hey, 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 hey. What you doing here? Don't you have practice? Not anymore. I quit. Oh. Well, since when are you the quitting kind? I don't know. I just don't see the point anymore. So you didn't make the dress list. There are greater tragedies in the world. I wanted to run out of that tunnel for my dad to prove to everyone prove that I worked... what? That I was somebody. Oh, you are so full of crap. You're five feet nothing. <laughs> a hundred and nothing. And you got hardly a speck of athletic ability. And you hung in with the best college football team in the land for two years. And you're also going to walk out of here with a degree from the University of Notre Dame. In this lifetime, you don't have to prove nothing to nobody except yourself. And after what you've gone through, if you haven't done that by now, it ain't going to never happen. Now go on back. I'm sorry I never got you to see your first game in here. I've seen too many games in this stadium. I thought you said you never saw a game. I've never seen a game from the stands. You were a player? I rode the bench for two years. Thought I wasn't being played because of my color. I got filled up with a lot of attitude. So I quit. Still not a week goes by, I don't regret it. And I guarantee a week won't go by in your life. You won't regret walking out, letting them get the best of you. You hear me clear enough? Now I want you to notice the empty grandstands. I want you to notice the empty grandstands. And some of you have heard me use this analogy so much. You've been coming to this church for quite a while and you've never made it out of the grandstands onto the playing field of what God is doing through this church. And here's what I want to do on the front end of Hope Rising. I want to tell you it is a golden opportunity for you to get out of the grandstands, get on the playing field of what God is doing. And if you do, God will anoint you and God will let you fly. God will let you soar to higher heights. And if you don't, I'm just telling you, I'm just warning you. It might be another instance in which you come to experience a huge amount of regret These kinds of opportunities don't come around very often. 
And in fact, last night I'm sitting down at the, at the end of my driveway with one of my best friends and we're just sitting there, we're looking up at the stars and we're talking and we actually said this and we were just kind of dreaming. It wasn't planned. And we said, you know what? What we've had to come to realize is God is doing great things in the world. Can I get an amen? And, and check this out. God is going to continue to do great things in the world. Amen? And he invites us into that story. But, but here's the deal. I don't know if you've ever thought about this. God's going to continue to do great things in the world, whether or not you and whether or not I get involved in it or not. Like, like your participation, my participation is not going to stop God from doing great stuff in the world. All right, right, all right. So in reality, the choice becomes ours. Are we going to join God in his redemptive work in the world? Or are we going to just sit out, stay in the grandstands? And if we do, I just want to prophetically proclaim, we will live to regret it. There is this, there is this connection between vision and regret that I'm hoping and praying we will divorce forever and go in the direction of vision. Come on, campuses. Can I get an amen? Amen. Maybe you never thought about this, but the whole story of the Bible is that God's doing a work in the world and God's redeeming the world. And I know sometimes it doesn't look like it, but if you look, you can see God is doing a redemptive work in the world and he invites us to be involved in it. Do you remember Steve Jobs, the great Apple founder? Steve Jobs actually spoke at a Stanford graduation ceremony where he actually spoke to the graduates about vision. But his vision was very different than the biblical vision. But still, nonetheless, it was about vision. It was about values. It was about innovation. It was about creativity in the Apple work world. Here he is as he spoke, and, and there he was. And he'd say, bye-bye, Steve. <laughs> and there he was as he was slipping into his sickness. Here's, here's what he said. After the commencement speech at Stanford, he was... Uh, interviewed on 60 Minutes, still one of my favorite shows. I watch it every Sunday evening, 60 Minutes. I happen to be watching this episode, wrote it down, like, that's good. Here's what he said. He said, when you die, what else matters? When you die, what else matters? Watch what he says here. If there is no God, then it's all over at that point. That's all that matters, Right? But then he went on to say this, and this, pay close attention, this is huge. Sometimes I think there has to be a soul that lives on forever. He had been an atheist pretty much his whole life. But at the end, when he's facing his mere mortality, he says, sometimes I think there has to be a soul that lives on forever. There's too much inside of us that wants that. But other times, I feel like the human body simply has an, watch this, on-off switch. And once it's off, it's off. At the very end of his life, here was a great innovative leader who was wrestling with what 
really matters in life. And, the, and the, the, the interviewer for 60 Minutes pointed out that on most Apple products, have you ever thought about this? It's very hard. Sometimes it seems impossible to find the on-off switch. That was intentional. Steve Jobs didn't like the concept of an on and an off. He had a great vision. But come on, church. He had a vision for Apple products. And hey, I'm a big Apple user. This church is a big Apple user. But here's the deal. In 20 years, 30 years, or 50 years, probably in our lifetime, Apple products will be rusting and decaying in a landfill somewhere. And there will be something newer, something bigger, something better, something brighter. But the gospel of Jesus Christ will march on for all time and has marched on for all time. So you got a choice. I got a choice. Are we going to live for the temporal things of this world? Or are we going to live for the gospel? It's about vision. And it's about whether or not we embrace it or whether or not we live to regret it. Open up your Bibles to Proverbs 29, 18. Proverbs 29, 18. It's an incredible passage of Scripture. The Bible says this. Let's read it out loud together. You ready, church? I know some of you are opening up your Bibles, and I love that, so you can keep doing that. Let's read it together. Ready? One, two, three, go. Where there is no vision, the people... The people do what? Let's go to the next part. But blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instruction. Where there is no vision, the people perish. <laughs> Many of you have heard me say, in the church world, where there is no vision, people go to another parish. <laughs> where there is no vision, the people... I love the message translation. Here's what the message translation says. If people can't see what God is doing, they do what, church? They do what? They stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most... You ever been in a place where there's no clear vision? You ever been in a place where there's a lot of sideways energy? You ever been to a place where there's no traction and people are kind of stumbling all over the place? So what I want to do today... On our first Sunday of Hope Rising, I want to lay out the vision for you. I want, to, I want to strive for clarity. I want to talk to you about what this campaign is all about so that when you leave here today at all of our campuses and you get your swag bag and you go home and you study it and you put on your stuff. And by the way, people have been asking me, how much does it cost? Nothing. It's free. Just grab a swag bag on your way out. When you get that and you go home and you study it and you get here every Sunday and you arrive early and you fully lean in to get this vision and not live with regret, here's what I want you to know. I want you to know exactly what it's about. So everybody repeat after me. Reach. Reach. Teach. Teach. Release. Release. Wouldn't you know it? Our faith-raising campaign is vision-centric. Reach, teach, and release. In that booklet, as you open it and study it, you'll see that there's these three components. Let me talk to you about the first component. The first component of our campaign is all about reach. It's all about campus care. It's all about 
all of the campuses other than Central Campus and other than the Kenya Campus, because that's in the release. We'll get to that in a little bit. It's all the other campuses going at special initiatives, special things that they need, special upfits, special claiming ground, territory for Christ in their local communities. So let's just go over the campuses. After me, say it. Ready? North Raleigh. Read them as they pop up. Go. Good job. Or easier put, what? NCCIW, right? Come on, go on. Now, everybody here at Central, give it up for them. Give them some love. Welcome, 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 welcome. It's all about what these campuses are going to be doing at their locations. There's no way in the world I can give you an exhaustive listing of that. It would just take way too long. But let me just highlight some key things. In all of their areas like Hopetown, like Axis Student Ministries, like worship centers, they're going to be installing technology upgrades Technology improvements, lighting improvements, audiovisual improvements. Some of the campuses, particularly the Sanford and the Garner campus, they're going to be going at some debt reduction. They're going to be putting funds aside, North Raleigh and Sanford, toward a building fund so that they can actually feel God moving them to more permanent and different locations. Some of the campuses are going to be removing walls. Busting out worship centers and making them bigger just to handle the growth. Some of the campuses are going to be adding carpet. Some of the campuses are going to be adding chairs. If Sanford stays where they currently are, they'll probably yank the pews out and put the chairs in. I hear, but I like the pews. But hey, what do I know? It's up to them, right? Right? Removal of the walls, removal of kitchen, cafe remodeling, additional parking, curb and gutter. Internet campus, we're going to take our internet campus to a what church? To a whole, you guys are amazing, whole nother level. We're not redeeming technology on our internet campuses as good as we can be. In CCIW, I'm meeting with the chaplain. We're having lunch very soon, and we're going to be talking about all the things that we can do for the prison. They, we've built such a relationship, they're willing to let us come in and give them all kinds of upgrades. And those of you who've been there with me, you know they need it, Right? That's all under the component of reach. And as our campaign unfolds, the reach goal for Hope Rising is a little over $1 million. For all of the campus care at our eight campuses, again, minus NCCIW. That is 11% of the entire Hope Rising campaign. So from here on out, since I'm going to be covering a lot of information, when I say get it, I want you to say got it. Get it? Good. All right. You guys are amazing. Let's go to the next one. That's reach. Here's the teach component. Teach is all about central campus. Teach is all about realizing that the Durham campus here by the streets of South Point Mall is the primary place in which we teach the word of God for adults, that is, and it is broadcast all over the campuses. So it's teach. It's the very reason why, some of you might not know this, when we were building this building, it's the very reason why before they laid all this stone and built this teaching platform up here, I, I called a time out and I ran in here and with a big old family Bible, I planted the Word of God right here under this teaching platform to remind us that we don't stand up here and preach pop psychology. 
Amen? We don't stand up here and teach and preach what our itching ears wants to hear. Amen? We stand up here and we preach what? God's Word. And it is broadcast all over the campuses. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Broadcast on the campuses. Television ministry. We preach and we stand on the Word of God, which actually reminds me of this great passage of Scripture. I love this text. From the Old Testament. In fact, it's one of my favorite texts in the Old Testament about the Word of God. Come on, you're so with me today. Let's read it out loud. Ready? Go. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my Word that goes out from my mouth. And some of you know the next part. Watch this. Ah, ready, go. It, the Word, will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Amen. God's Word stands. And the Bible says that when God's Word is preached and proclaimed, it will not come back. This translation says empty. I like the old 1984 NIV translation. says it will not return to me void. So here at Central Campus, we're going to be doing all kinds of things to enable us to to take the vision of New Hope Church to the next level. In fact, let me just give you a few of these. And I'm going to hit these so quickly too, just like I did the, the campus care. Children's ministry space. Children's ministry space is doubling in size. We just got so many biscuit snatchers over there. You just It's, it's, it's just crazy. It's just crazy. <laughs> These walls are going to be knocked out And that wall is going to be knocked out And our office space We've been out of office space for over two years now Out of office space So our office space is tripling Okay The worship center is actually growing by more than double It's going from 600 seats To about 1,406 seats In the worship center We're going to have a cry room that's going to be back there in the back corner where families with young infants can watch and experience worship through a window there where they can see us, but we can't see them. It's good stuff. All kinds of things. Guys, we're out of space. I mean, we do five services a Sunday here. We did seven services a Sunday on Christmas and Easter. We're out of space. And I say, thank the Lord. Amen. 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 These are good problems to have. Let me show you a little video of of what this is going to do. I know some of you are visual like me, and you need to see a visual image of this. Here's just a little sketch of what's coming for the teach component. Check it out.
Who's fired up? Unbelievable. So that is the teach component. We, so the first one is what? And that's campus care, north of a million dollars. The teach component is the central Durham campus, all of the building upfit and expansion and flying the balcony in and all that stuff. It's going to be over $6 million, $6,454,000, which is 77% of the Hope Rising campaign. Reach, teach. What's the third thing I'm going to talk about today? Let's talk about release. This is where the campuses and central campus join back up and we're taking territory around the world for release in the area of hope missions. Going to hit these really quickly as well. But here's the bottom line. We launched a campus in Kiria, Kenya. Uh, not Kiria, Kenya. I'm sorry. North of Nairobi, Kenya in Thika Town. It's what we call a Matthew 25 campus. We're going to continue to support that campus and grow that campus. We're going to adopt and continue to sponsor the Ark Children's Home in Thika Town and take care of needy, abandoned children that are thrown on the streets in the slums and recovered. And we've found this children's home that we've visited, that I've been with, that I've met the leadership. And we're going to continue to bless that and grow that so that we can rescue abandoned little children from the slum streets of Kenya. Can I get an amen? Come on, church. Unbelievable. We're going to continue to sponsor the same Thika Town School, Christian school that is right down the street from the Ark Children's Orphanage. We're going to partner with them so we can rescue the young children who've been abandoned on the streets and put them in this orphanage. And then right down the street, there's this Christian school that we've researched and I've visited as well where those same children can grow up in a Christian school and learn about Jesus and be discipled in the way of the Lord. So that when they're old, they will not, what? The Bible says, not depart from it. We're going to dig deep water wells in various villages throughout Bohok, Haiti, and Kenya. For $150,000, we can dig a deep water well and provide clean drinking water for entire villages, not only for those villages, but when you do this in those areas, Children and families come from miles away. They'll walk days just to get clean drinking water. Because in the clean drinking water is life and not death. We're going to continue to sponsor and be a part of Kiria, Kenya and adopt that village like we have. The same in Bohok, Haiti. We're going to continue to take local missions to the next level as we continue to partner with Habitat for Humanity, Durham Rescue Mission. All of those things. If you take and add all of that up for the release component, it too is a little north of a million dollars. 12% of this campaign, 12%, we're saying, you know what? It's not about us. We're going to take 12% of it and we're going to send it around the world and continue to bless needy people in the world because Jesus says, when you do so, you've done it unto me. Amen? Who's fired up about missions at this church? Who's fired up about missions? Last year, we alone gave over a million dollars away. We just gave it away in missions. And we're going to continue to do that. And on top of that, we're going to continue to do it with Hope Missions. Now, if you add all of that up, stick with me here. If you add all of that up, and you mathematical people, you've already added it up. You got it in your head. 8600064 dollars 
It's hope rising. Eight million, six hundred thousand, sixty-four dollars. It's hope rising. It's a three-year campaign. The way a campaign works, if you've never done it before, the way a campaign works is you seek the heart of God, you pray, and you let God lead you. We're not going to manipulate you. We're not going to pressure you. We're not going to tell you what to give. People have been asking me, hey, what do you want me to give? We're not going to tell you. Here's what I want you to do. Will you do this? I want you to seek the heart of God. Let God lead you and be God's yes man or God's yes woman. Deal? Whatever God leads you to do on October 26th, we're going to come forward as a church. It's called Commitment Sunday. And on October 26th, we're going to bring a first fruits offering. We're praying it's going to be the largest offering in the history of this church. We're asking people, whatever your pledge is, try to bring 10% first fruits offering on that Sunday so we can start paying architects and engineers and GC, general contractors, and going into the mission field. Try to bring a first fruits of 10%, and we're going to bring all that together. And I believe we can hit that goal. I heard some amens. But you know what I know? Some of you are sitting here, and the moment that number hit the screen, you disconnected. Because you're not sure we can do it. Can I, can I tell you what a church did when we were four years old? Four years old. We found, by the grace of God, don't have time to tell that story. Some of you heard I'll tell it later. By the grace of God, we found 36 acres of land right here in the epicenter of North Carolina. It wasn't cheap dirt. On top of that, God laid it on our hearts to build this building, a 36,000 square feet building on 36 acres of land here in the epicenter of North Carolina, central North Carolina, right by the streets of South Point Mall. We were four and a half years old. We had a goal of $8 million back then. We knew we couldn't raise that. We had 206 people or family units that were giving to the church at that time. How many? 206! You know what I mean? Giving families we have in our church now. I just got the data from the finance department. Over 2,600. If you do the math, that's 13 times the number of giving people in 2006, 2007. On top of that, not only did we go... You know what the average offering was on a Sunday back then? I've been looking at all kinds of old bulletins. It takes me back. You know where we were given on an average Sunday back then? Four to $6,000. We were a fledgling, if I might say so myself, a motley crew. But we had big faith. We had big vision. And I was trembling like a leaf on a tree. And I'm like, God, are we really called to do this? And then God showed up in a big way. We hadn't even started the campaign yet. And a, and a, and a denomination came to me and said, hey, we have a building in North Durham on Cole Mill Road. If you know where that is. We have a building in North Durham. Pastor Benji, we would like for you to go and pastor that church. I said, what are you talking about? They said, yeah, we think you can pastor two churches at the same time. I said, I got an idea. You need to put the crack pipe down. I said, are you, what are, you, what are, you, are you crazy? I can't pastor two churches. I mean, New Hope was up and coming. It was four years old. I'm like, no way. So I thought about it, prayed about it, sought the Lord about it. And God said, well, why don't you just ask him to give you the building? 
Like, Lord, I receive that. <laughs> so I went into a meeting with all these high judicatory leaders, right? And busted up in there. They had all their suits and ties on. I had my holy jeans on. I said, I got an idea. I got an idea, and I think it's of the Lord. They, they leaned in. I, I think they thought I was going to say, I'm going to do it. They leaned in. I said, instead of me taking that church and growing a church there, why don't you give it to me? How about that? Get you some of that. <laughs> and little old lady over here had to be 80, 80 plus years old. The room got real quiet like it is right now. The little old lady over here cleared her throat. throat) I'll never forget it. And she said, you know what? I think this is of God. I believe in this guy and what God's doing at New Hope Church. And I say we give it to him. And right then and there, the the vibe in the room turned because she was a saint. She was a wise, wise saint on this board. And they discussed it. And I said, I got an idea. I'm going to step out and let y'all discuss this without me. So I left the room. Because God had already planted her, man. It was awesome. I left the room. They called me back in in about 30 minutes, and they said, we've decided we're going to give you the building. They said, what are you going to do with it? I said, I'm going to sell it. (laughs) Put it on the market. In two months, it was sold for a million fifty dollars. And the way we said it back then is the way I want to say it to you right now. God was the first giver at New Hope Church. When God, yeah, somebody ought to praise the Lord there. When we, when God gave us this land, 206 of us giving families, right? And God gave us this land and we're like, how in the world are we going to raise that money? God said, you trust me, I'm going to be the first giver. Here's a million dollars. Can we do $8 million? Heck to the yes. Absolutely we can do it. God was the first giver and we can take this. And here's what I want to say to you as I wrap up today. Some of you are going to be thinking about checking out. Some of you at the campuses, you're going to be thinking about checking out. Some of you guys or some of you gals, you're going to say to your spouse, Honey, I think it's a good time for us to go visit some other churches. I'm just keeping it real. I'm just keeping it real. It happens. And you'll check out. And I wanted to tell you on this very first Sunday, please don't do it. Please don't do it. Not because we can't accomplish the capital campaign without you. No, heck no. But because you will live to regret it. I run into people. I've been at this long enough now. And you know what? I hope I've earned the right to speak to you like this. I hope, I hope I've earned the right to talk to you about these kinds of things. I hope I've earned the right to lead this church into this big, bold future. You know me. You know what I'm about. You know what this church is about. I'm inviting you untimidly, if that's even a word. I'm inviting you unashamedly to lean in. I'm inviting you unashamedly to engage. And I hope I've earned the right to speak into your life in that kind of way. But can I just tell you something that happens to me on a regular basis now? Because I've been here so long. Because I, everywhere I go, I run into somebody everywhere I go. Happens on a regular basis. They'll see me, and I'll see them. 
and their face drops. Seriously, seriously. And I sometimes see people, well, most of the time people see me and they you know, run up, right? But, but on a regular basis, I see people and they'll see me, we're walking like at the mall or something, they'll see me and they'll... And when, when you make that eye contact and it's awkward, I always just, I just give them a big hug and say, hey, we love you. Don't, don't feel that way. We love you. We miss you. I hope you're doing okay. I don't, I, don't, I don't beat people up and give them a guilt trip and all that kind of stuff. But after I hug them and I do some small talk stuff and we get ready to part ways, here, here's what I hear all the time. I regret it. I regret that I left. They say, we're sorry. And I'm saying, no, 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 no. You don't, you don't have anything to apologize to me about. Don't apologize to me. It's okay. I had a person say to me about three months ago, biggest mistake of my life that I left when we were going towards South Point Mall. Vision or regret? Vision or regret? Don't check out. Let's go take this for God. Let's take this church into a big, bold future. Let's use our one and only life that God has given us to spread the gospel. Because hope is not found in things. Hope is not found in Apple products. Hope is not found in cars. Hope is not found in your degrees on your wall. Hope is found in nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Let's go get this, church. Final story and I'm done. The year was 1904. William Borden was actually the heir of the Borden Dairy Estate. And in 1904, he graduated from a high school in Chicago. And he left out for the mission field. He had been converted and he he left for the mission field and he, he wrote his parents a letter. And in that letter, he says this, I'm going to give my life to prepare for the mission field. And then at the end of that, he wrote two words, no reserves, 1904. After that, William went to Yale University where he studied. He was so on fire for Jesus. Check this out, that out of the 1,300 students that were enrolled in Yale that year, a 1,000 of them were doing Bible studies at night as a result of this man's ministry. At that point in time, he he wrote back again and he said this, say no to self and yes to Jesus every time. Say no to self. Why don't you say that with me? Say no to self and yes to Jesus every time. And then he wrote these two words, no retreats, no retreats. After Yale, he graduated and he went to the mission field in China ministering to the Kanzu people in China, having an incredible impact. But as a result, by his 25th birthday, he was dead. And when his parents got his belongings, they found his Bible. And they opened up his Bible. And in the back of his Bible, he had written these two words, no regrets. No, no what? Regrets. No reserves, no retreats. And right before he died, he wrote in the back of his Bible, no 
regrets. Can you imagine living your one and only life and getting to the end of it and the sun is setting on your life and you're able to stand before God and stand amongst your loved ones and have absolutely no regrets? The way a human being does that is a human being discerns that God is doing something big in the world and they join God. And when your vision for your life intersects with God's vision for you and the church, that's when divine sparks start to fly. And you and I can live this one and only life with no regrets. So here's what I want you to do. Don't miss a single Sunday over the next eight weeks. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to do exactly like you did today and arrive early. Early. It was worth it today. Amen? Early. Just playing, just imagine in your mind the service starts 15 or 30 minutes earlier than it really does. You'll be here all time. Get you a swag bag on the way out at all of the campuses. Get in a life group or join the mid-sized campus groups at all of our campuses. What do you say we go do this, church? What do you say we go at hope rising? What do you say we take new territory for Christ? What do you say we be the church that God's calling us to be? No regrets. Are you with me? Are you with me, church? Are you with me? What do you say we break some ground? Like right now. Like groundbreaking. Like right now. I want to show you something. That's a shovel. Zoom in on that. That's a shovel on a whole nother level. Can y'all see that? Hope rising. Come on down, camera. Come on down. Bring it on down. Bring it on down. Right. I guess I'll come up then. Oh, rising. The best is yet to come. Come on. Come on. New Hope Church. We're, we're going to go break some ground right now, and we're going to then, we're going to hang this in the rotunda as a memory of what God started to do on this day. We're breaking ground right now, not just for Central Campus. This is a ceremonial groundbreaking. We're breaking ground for all of the campuses, and they're going to actually follow me outside where I'm going to actually have Three men joined me. I want to tell you about these guys. One, his name is Joe Schmidt. He is, if you might call him, I, I, I called him this here recently, kind of the lay leader of our church. He helped me lead the campaign to build this building. He's now a great leader at the North Raleigh campus. On top of that, I got Mike Stamps, who's going to help me. He leads our personnel team at this church, who journeys alongside me and helps me evaluate staff and that sort of thing. And then I got John Jaguna. Everybody say Jaguna. He is, if you will, our Kenya in-resident New Hoper, comes from Kenya, was a big part of us launching a campus over in Kenya. They're going to join me outside. You stay where you are. Camera's going to follow me, so you're going to see all this. We're going to read some kind of back-and-forth call and response together, and then we're going to pray, and then we're going to sing this incredible song, Don't Leave. You don't want to leave. You don't want to miss this last song, and then we're done today. Who wants to break ground for Hope Rising? Let's go do this.
John, why don't you come here? Everybody say, hey, John, this is John Jaguna. Everybody say, hey, Joe. Joe's going to come right here. Everybody say, hey, Mike. And all of our campuses, listen in. I'm going to read the pastor part. You read the people part. Who is left among you who saw this house in its former glory? Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. Great job, church. Listen in. For thus says the Lord of hosts, yet once more in a little while I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all nations so that the treasures of all the nations shall come in, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. Let the church say amen. You ready, guys? We're going to chunk it on the count of three. One, two, three. Let's pray together, church. Let's pray. All heads bowed, eyes closed. Father, we give you thanks for this beautiful Sunday. Yet another epic Sunday in the life and the history of this church. Father, we thank you for what you are doing in our church. God, we give you all the glory, all the praise, and all the honor. And this day we break this ground, this land. It belongs to you. God, the Bible says that this is holy ground, just as it was when Joshua put his feet into the promised land. We believe and we declare at all of our campuses, God, This is holy ground that you have given us. You have set it apart from the beginning of the world, from the beginning of the foundations of the earth. You've set it apart for your purposes to bring new hope to your people. God, we pray for hope rising. We pray for every single campus. We pray for every single staff member. We pray for every single new hoper. God, would you give us a vision? Would you give us a God-sized vision? Would you give us the courage, the boldness, the tenacity to step out, God, maybe even like Peter, to step out and trust you. God, may we go get this for you and may our regret go away forever. And may from this day forward, Father God, we live as believers who have big, bold faith for you. And may you step in and show us yet again that you are a big God and you are more than able You are able to do immeasurably more than we can ever ask or imagine. To you be all the glory and the praise to Jesus and his church. And the people of God said together, amen. Amen. We love you guys. Check it out.
I'm the second eldest of seven, um, grew up in northern Wisconsin, lived with my biological mother. She was married several times to abusive men, and she worked several jobs to support us, but she was never around. I've been sexually abused by my biological mother's father. Two other situations occurred where family, friends of uh, babysitters did the same thing. Realized that was not the best environment for me to live in. And I remember asking my father if it would be okay if I could live with him. My mother became very angry and upset with me for choosing my father. She then disowned me and decided that she didn't want anything to do with me, which was really difficult because at that time, you're not only dealing with the pain of rejection and what's wrong with me and what happened to me and trying to process that, but then also your mother, the one that you really want to bond with, doesn't want anything to do with you. But I was very fortunate to have my stepmother step in and she took my older brother and I Ian as her own. Shortly after college, met a gentleman who showed me some attention, and within eight months we were married. I felt loved for the first time. I thought that would solve my problems. As the marriage went on, I realized he was not the right person for me. There was a lot of manipulation and control tactics. And I didn't want to be a statistic, so I did what I needed to do. Tried to be that model wife. My ex-husband said he was no longer attracted to me, and he later shared that he had had a couple affairs. No matter what I did, I felt constant rejection. But again, I was going to stay in the marriage. It was a commitment I had made. So what I did was I dove into work, and that became my outlet, and I was very successful. I started working for a company and gave them my heart. About three years into it, I was given um, a different supervisor and she was the sister of the owner. She would throw pens and curse and didn't like the fact that I, what she called was a Miss Goody Two-Shoes. I had gotten to a point where I just didn't care anymore. I felt numb, I felt angry, and I wanted someone to pay for all of this hurt that was bottled up. Against my better judgment, I started writing checks to pay the mortgage. Police knocked on my door and they served a warrant. I immediately started crying and admitted what I had done because I couldn't take the guilt anymore. The investigator was so understanding. She told me she was gonna help me through this process. I was charged with a felony. Later, it was reduced to a misdemeanor and one year unsupervised probation. Before the entire process was over, I gave my life to Christ because I felt so broken and so ashamed. I knew better and I started having a thirst and a hunger for Him in a way I had really never known before. But through this process, He started changing who I am and my character. Then it got to a point where I feel the enemy really turned things up. I was served papers at work and my ex-husband had filed for divorce. I lost it. I started screaming at God because within an eight-month period, I had lost my husband, I lost my home, I moved to a town I was unfamiliar with, I walked ahead to, to lead the church I was at. That was a season where the enemy threw everything he could at me because he knew I was growing in Christ. And so I asked God, why did you do this to me? You've stripped everything away from me. What kind of God does that? And he just gently reminded me, God who loves you more than anything doesn't do this. But I am with you. I've shown you that I will never leave you. And I promise if you just trust me, we will get through this. I shortly after that found New Hope Church. 
in 2010 and started attending. I had gotten involved in serving at the church, not only in the prayer ministry, but also in other areas, and found that Sundays were the day that I was more, most joyful. I loved the church family. I felt at home, and I would actually get very sad when I had to leave because it was such a great place to be and be surrounded by people who truly loved you. It was in April. I was serving, and Pastor Benji came up to me and said, the Holy Spirit wants me to hear your story. And fear set in. There was a part of me that was hoping he would forget, but then there was another part of me that the, the Christ in me said, no, this is the time. I've put it on your heart that you need to start sharing your story. And so I also shared it with my life group. God has, has made it clear that I'm to be completely transparent because my hurts and my pain is to help people and to give them hope because so many people don't understand where to go. I can't even fathom how a beautiful God can come into us, into a dirty shell, clean us up, and heal those deep hurts that people have caused. I stand here now completely whole. I still have a way to go. But God has done incredible things in my life, and the most beautiful thing that He has done is show me what my purpose is. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you would like to learn more about the ministries of New Hope Church, please stop by one of our six campuses anytime or visit us online at newhopenc.org. If you have any prayer requests, please send those to prayers at newhopenc.org and our pastors and staff will stand with you in prayer. We hope you'll join us next week. God bless and thank you for being a part of our church family.